Season 1 has come and gone, and with it, the Colossus is sky-high on a new adventure. In this episode, we recap the season as a whole and look forward to what's to come in Season 2. Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hey, everyone. I'm your other host, Caitlin, and welcome to our Season 1 Resistance recap. <laughs> I love Resistance. I, know, I miss me too. it, and I love it. I know. And we're recording this on a Sunday, our usual recording day for Resistance, and it's just like old times, even though it's only been like two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so far away (laughs) i'm so nostalgic for every sunday resistance coming out honestly like when i wake up in the morning on a sunday morning i'm not like excited about resistance anymore and it makes me sad (laughs) Mm -hmm. i I know the feeling i know the feeling maybe we'll get something yeah maybe we'll get something (laughs) at celebration we totally will i know but like maybe i don't know Oh, also, Celebration, here's your daily reminder that we're going to be on the podcast stage. What day again? April 12th at 12. (laughs) High noon. (laughs) When the sun is directly above us in the sky. (laughs) When there are no shadows. (laughs) We will be on the podcast stage. Exactly. High noon. (laughs) April 12th at 12. April 12th. And you know what we're going to be talking about? I wonder what we're talking about, Caitlin. What are we going to talk about? We're going to be talking about the episode nine panel trailer. I don't, I don't, will we be able to talk about it? That's the real question that I have. Someone brought this up on Twitter the other day. They were like, you need a projector screen so you can like rewatch it. I'm like, oh my God, you're so right. I just don't even know how to go about doing that. I don't know how to go about doing it either, but we definitely need it. But so we def- we kind of do. <laughs> we can all rewatch it together. And I got to say, guys, um, just for our resistance listeners, I was at Party City the other day and I got some fun tabletop decorations <laughs> <laughs> for our podcast stage. So please come and see those. <laughs> They're not really went themed. for it. I really I sent Charlotte like a crap ton of Snapchats and I was like, look at this. I'm buying this. This is ours. It's coming with us. Were there any resistance anything at Party City? No, there wasn't. Resistance. Was there any like rebels things? No. There w- it was really it was really just um the sequel trilogy. That was it. You know, don't don't you remember when we were younger and like we'd see the Clone Wars party stuff everywhere? Yes. We threw a party with Clone Wars party stuff. I know. We totally did. And it, it makes me kind of sad that their animation stuff isn't represented in, like, kids' party Currently. Stuff, I, w- I mean, know? I will say that, like, the Party City was very – I mean, I feel like all Party Cities are just, like, a little sad. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, they kind of have that vibe about them. Mm-hmm. Like, the candy's been there for, like, 12 months, but no one cares kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to, like, make it Party City's fault. <laughs> I'm not saying it's Party City's fault. It's I'm saying party- it yeah. is. I, I'm, it's surprising to me. And maybe it's just the market about like kids just want the sequel trilogy stuff. But it, it, 
in the past, I think the Clone Wars was pretty well represented in like the Target Party aisle and in Party City and everything. And I don't think I've seen that for Rebels and obviously Resistance either. I think I feel like those things really came up more in the like later Later seasons, seasons. honestly, even with Clone Wars. I don't maybe different with Clone Wars because it was the first animated show. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I know that we had like first character model party stuff. You know yeah. what I mean? Like like Ahsoka and the tube top was on the party stuff. So that was at uh-huh. least like up through season three, I think. So right. I don't know. Maybe next season we'll get some – because like Kaz deserves to be on a tablecloth. You know what I mean? On like a plastic tablecloth. He deserves it. Agreed. Agreed. He really does. <laughs> no, like I sound jokey, but he really does deserve it. Kaz deserves the world. <laughs> and that includes being featured on a plastic tablecloth. <laughs> so why don't we start talking about season one? Yes. So we're going to follow basically our same format as we did for our Resistance recaps, where part one is going to be our highs and lows. And part two is our story. And then part three is our characters. But we'll kind of be looking at it across the broader strokes of the entire season. Exactly. So without further ado, let's get started. So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first. All right, welcome to part one where we're talking about our highs and lows for the season as a whole. So Charlotte, why don't you go first? So my first high as an overall is I'm just still so surprised and delighted with how they handled Tam's story. And I just can't get over the fact that we were so frustrated throughout the entire season. Not so frustrated, but generally frustrated throughout the entire season of like, Tam not being let in on anything, Tam not getting her time in the spotlight, Tam just, you know, not being a part of Kaz's resistance plans. And it was all by design because Tam had to be left out of all that because she had to be given this devastating choice. And I just can't get over that they actually went there with this character because it's just it's not where I expected it to go in the very beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was almost one of my highs, but you wrote it down first. So, mm. yeah. <laughs> Dang. It's just so good. Like, it's it really is. just such a rich story. <laughs> yeah, it was really nice to see. I mean, even just like the little tidbits we got mid-season of her, of her perspective being introduced into the narrative of mm-hmm. Star Wars and of Resistance. Of, you know, her father was an Imperial pilot or so he worked for the Empire um, and then kind of what that meant for her down the line as it related to Kaz and, and all the secrets that were kept between them. So, yeah, I think it was it was really interesting and I, I hope it plays a much bigger role in season two, which I think it will um, since they had her make the choice to join the First Order. I think it has to play a bigger role in season two. So I'm really excited for that. It totally is. I feel like it's, t- to be honest, like the juiciest thing mm-hmm. about the end of the season yeah i think that it, it just plays into what kaz i don't know like we, i was just watching you and i both were just re-watching the first episode and just even the way that poe like lays out his mission and like finding out who's loyal to the to the resistance and who's loyal to the first order and i just don't think that kaz would ever have expected that someone that he became friends with and someone who helped him and everything ended up not being loyal to the resistance or loyal to Yeager and him. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is just, it obviously produces a really interesting conflict. And I do think that Tam will come back, but I, I can't wait for her to see the light. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. It's going to be so good. It's so good. It's, it's going to be a lot <laughs> just, of angst and a lot of pain, but at the end it's going to be so good. 
so much. And I, I love it. I just, I think it's so good. And I really love Tim's character, love the voice actress. I just think it's all, it's all mm-hmm. really good. And it really was the highlight of the season for me because I get, I just, I'm just so surprised by it. Yeah. Yeah. I am too. So literally my highs are the exact same. <laughs> Why do we even have this section for me? <laughs> my first high is Kaz. Um, <laughs> just like across the board. I love him so much. Um, I just – I loved his whole character development this season, just watching him, especially going back and rewatching the first episode, um, just to see again how – we talk a lot about Kaz's lack of hesitation and how that was present from the very first second he met Poe in episode one. and But then how he was able to like develop skills down the line. But he's still just so – he's so funny and – I just I love him so much. He's just so good. He's just such a good boy. And I forgot how funny the first episode is. The first episode It's is, really funny. It's so funny. Like in even in the opening scenes when Kaz is talking to his R2 unit, I think it's C R2 C three, something like that, or C four. And C four is like, We have to turn around. I'm too young to die. And Kaz is like, You're too young to die. He's like, I'm too young to die. And they can't put me back together. <laughs> It's just so funny. <laughs> Do you think that Kaz has like catapulted into your top 10 favorite characters? Oh, yeah. 100%. Top five favorite characters? He's he's either like five or six. Wow. You wow. Know? Yeah. <laughs> I just think That's he, big. I know. So, I know. He's so good. But I think that you're attracted to those kind of characters. Like you have a – like you really love Luke Skywalker and I think mm-hmm. it's also because he's so good. Yeah. It's funny because it's like – Kylo is really like my only evil character that's up there. Because <laughs> it's like yeah, other it's than true. that, it's like it's you know, like Kylo and Luke are tied for my top favorite characters, and then it's literally like Ahsoka. <laughs> and then I really like Obi Wan. Um, I feel like I'm going to love Obi Wan even more after Master and Apprentice comes out, and we get to read it, and just I don't know, it's something about Kaz. He's just he's so relatable. I love his story. I love the flounders that he's had. I don't know. I just think it's really nice to have the time with a character like Kaz. I don't know. He's just great. He's great. I agree. I think he's. I I don't know. We'll talk about this a little bit later, but I think that his background and. Kind of everything that we've been presented with Kaz is just kind of interesting mm-hmm. and like a different type of hero that than we're used to. And yeah. we definitely have been on this journey and he's come so far in season one that it's it's hard not to love him. <laughs> yeah, I think too, because I it was just so unexpected knowing my Star Wars tendencies to love a character who's not a force user as much as I love Kaz. Yes. Because that is such a big part of like why I love Star Wars. I love the force side of things. And the fact that that's, like, not at all in his narrative or really even on his radar, (laughs) um, I think just speaks so much to how well they developed him. Totally. Yeah. Okay. So what was your second high? So mine is really just – it's funny. I chose, like, story elements and you chose, like, a little bit more specific things. I just am also wowed by the fact that they continue – like, the way they bump up against the timelines in – resistance like unabashedly like to the point where it's not confusing and they don't really care if it is confusing and it's like (laughs) I just love it I I think that it's I love how they have been able to tell the story alongside of the force awakens to the point where it's not overt 
but it still it still feels like this is connected to the sequel trilogy in a way, but it's also its own separate thing. I think they've really bridged this gap between the animation and the sequel trilogy, the films, in a really nice way through the way that they've like shown the timeline, you know, kind of bump up against each other. Oh, yeah. The timeline is one of the coolest things about Resistance. Mm-hmm. But you're right. I think it's it's really great how they've been able to, yes, merge them, but they're also very separate. Like Resistance, and that's part and that's due in part to the setting of Resistance, but like the story of Resistance isn't controlled by what's happening in The Force Awakens. Yeah. It's obviously impacted by it, but. Yeah, I think that sometimes Star Wars, like novels, and sometimes the comics are a little afraid to get too close to the films just because then it just creates some like canon issues. But I don't think that uh, you see that in Resistance at all. I think that they've like taken the risk to go up alongside of The Force Awakens. And I just kind of wonder, like, is this confusing for kids? Do kids understand this? But. I don't think at the end of the day, because they've done such a good job of developing the characters in this whole separate story that it maybe just doesn't even matter. And it's just like, a, it's a fun thing for us fans to be like, oh, this is where we are in the timeline. This is where we're headed. And it's so interesting that like BB-8's off with Ray right now and all these things. I just think it's so fun. It's it's just so fun. Um, this is a great opportunity for me to bring up a Dave Filoni quote. <laughs> Please do. We haven't brought up Dave Filoni a whole lot because he's not as involved in Resistance. But um, do you remember, I think it – going off of what you were saying about how sometimes the animation or the comic books or novels can be afraid to like touch the films um, Mm -hmm. for like continuity issues and like that. Mm -hmm. But I remember Dave bringing up this really interesting point about the characters in Clone Wars and how he didn't want them to serve as a footnote to what was happening within the films. Um, Like he wanted them to be able to operate on their own and be at the same level, like their canon adventures be at the same level as film canon adventures. Um, I need to find the quote, like the exact interview where he was talking about it because, of course, he explained it a lot better. Um, cause it, that's like, that's the thing. It's like, you don't ever want what's happening in resistance to be solely because of what's happening in the sequel trilogy. And that was mm-hmm. Dave's whole thing with Ahsoka. And it's like, Ahsoka doesn't have to die just because she's not present in Revenge of the Sith. Like mm-hmm. I can't, as a storyteller, he couldn't like operate within those rules or that mindset because that would just really limit your storytelling capabilities. And I think that Resistance has done a really good job of that, of not serving as a footnote to the larger film stories. Yeah, it's definitely something that quote specifically is something that I always have to keep in mind whenever I like try to theorize anything about Mm -hmm. anything that comes forward in um, animation. Just because you're so right, like (laughs) these characters aren't a footnote, but they can they can relate to our sequel trilogy heroes, but mm-hmm. they they do have to stand on its own. And I think it's just really bold the way that they've done that here. Mm-hmm. Because I always think about it, just to talk more about Dave Filoni. Yay! <laughs> I always think about his constraints with the Grievous line. Yes. And um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, there's uh, there's a line in Revenge of the Sith um, where. Obviously, you guys know this, that he has never – Anakin has never met uh, Grievous before. 
And because that was such a, an issue with Dave that he couldn't like play with this grievous character and Anakin because that would be you know, so good for a conflict, but obviously he couldn't do that. And there's all these different scenes where they're like passing each other in like weird corridors and <laughs> they, they they always miss each other. And I think that in the very beginning, Dave always expressed like extreme frustration with that and being like, ah, of course he misses Grievous. You know? <laughs> He's like, how and many the- ways have we animated it for them to like not see each other? <laughs> yeah. And I think that was like a major frustration of of his. And I think that that was something that they decided i don't know i think that like they're more careful in canon now for that kind of yeah. stuff mm-hmm. and resistance is a really good example because a lot of things can happen in resistance that feed into the sequel trilogy but and like vice versa but it never feels like at least for me yet it doesn't feel like they're kind of put into this constraint yeah and it doesn't feel easter eggy Exactly. Which is something that we talk about a lot recently on the show Mm -hmm. where like you don't want things to be too Easter eggy, but you also want things to make sense in the canon timeline so that if you're a fan, you can follow it. And it's it's a fine line. It's a a really fine line. And I think that there's like arguments for both sides being good. Mm -hmm. Um, But (laughs) it's it's really interesting, I think. Yeah. What's funny about the Anakin situation from Clone Wars is that it's just this like I can picture Dave perfectly in my head being like, it's just this one stupid throwaway line. Yeah. <laughs> and it's Anakin says, like, you're shorter than I expected. And he's like, and it's caused so many problems. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. I think that they've, like, met over, like, hologram. Like, they really worked on it throughout Clone Wars. And I haven't oh, yeah. I've been so bad about my rewatch. And it's, like, leaving Netflix. Oh, my God. But I, I, I think that feel, they really – I can feel Danny judging us from afar. I know. I know. <laughs> Our friend Danny also went he, – he finished He it. finished, he finished it. It. <laughs> <laughs> we had, Charlotte and I set up this whole amazing Google Doc for a Clone Wars rewatch last summer. <laughs> <laughs> and we invited our friend Danny into it, and he literally filled out the whole Google Doc himself. He finished it. And he finished we it, and I just got to like season, season one. one. I, I'm ahead of you. Let me just say, I'm ahead of you. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, that like one throwaway line in, in um, because because like Grievous is such a big character in the Clone Wars, like he has to be, and mm-hmm. Dave was like. George created this huge character, and now I can't put this other huge character in any kind of close proximity to him. (laughs) (laughs) So funny. That's funny. Um, But yeah, I think that that's a really good high, too. So Mm -hmm. my second high, which will also come as no surprise, is the Colossus. (laughs) I love the Colossus. I love it so much. I really don't have a whole lot to say because I've already said it ad nauseum in – Literally 23 other episodes. <laughs> Caitlin is shipping herself with a ship. At I'm this sh- point. <laughs> I've never loved <laughs> like, a ship more than I've loved the Colossus. I just like, I love the setup of it. I love the microcosm that it represents as a story st- storytelling piece for the show as a whole. I love how we've gotten to see it change and move, see it underwater, see different pieces of it. I love that the bar, the Aces bar, has a decorative backsplash to it, like an like an architectural tin, like a press tin pattern. It just it makes me really happy. 
And that's all it's I can, very good. It's that's very good. And um, as we're going into celebration, we talked about this a couple episodes ago, but how I want like a theme park style map of the Colossus. And so I hope that that exists somewhere. If you are listening and you find one at celebration, please at me on Twitter and tell me where you got it and where I can get it to. I will pay money for it. Lots of money. <laughs> Incredible cross sections, incredible, incredible cross sections, and it, but I really, I really want like a theme park style map. Yeah, it's super cool. That's really what I want. So the Colossus is so good. It is such a, <laughs> and I think they know it's so good because yeah. they continued to use it into season two. Mm-hmm. Or else, like if if they didn't really like that set piece that much, I think that they would have just left it. <laughs> but instead, it it travels with them. It's everything. It it's, is like somehow like the larger than the. Yeah, it is, but it's also like I think you're right about that actually. That's a good comparison. Thank you. I <laughs> I think that like we all think about the ghost in Rebels being such a good setting and, you know, a tight quarters where it brings this whole like family together and everything. But the Colossus is almost like the opposite of that in that it is it's it brings people together and but it has all these different layers and it's so metaphorical it's and so it's layered. just so good. <laughs> it's so good. It's like the Colossus is like a cross between the TARDIS and like Hogwarts castle. Yes. You know, it like lives somewhere in the middle there. It takes like the goodness from each of those things and it just becomes its own special, amazing, beautiful Star Wars ship. I would say it's more like Hogwarts than it is the TARDIS. But yeah, but I do... now it moves like the TARDIS moves. Exactly. So exactly. That's, I mean, seeing it in hyperspace, wow, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So, so beautiful. Good. So beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> so glorious. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> What's your low? <laughs> My low is I'm just – pretty disappointed that the whole Bebo sea monster storyline didn't really come back in a way that I had wanted it to. I thought that that whole story with Niku was such a good episode. It felt like a filler episode, if you will. But I had a feeling that it would come back and I really just wanted it to come back in a bigger way. And it didn't. And now that we're off of Castellan, I don't really see it coming back. I know that we're going to get people who are like, yeah, but when they were, you know, shooting the stormtroopers off <laughs> into the water, you know, their fate is that they're going to get eaten by those sea monsters. And I think that's true. I just, I, I don't know if I really liked that. I thought that there would be something more. I mean, never underestimate animation. I mean, the Purgles from Rebels were that yeah, was like, what, a season two episode or something, and then it came back in, at the season finale. So true. And like the Colossus could return to Castellan. Because like, it can like move that. now. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it can. <laughs> but I really just kind of had like high hopes that like in the final battle that we got to witness in the, the finale that you know, these the sea monsters would like fight back against the First Order in a in a different way than like basically they did. I don't know. I was a little disappointed by that. Hmm. Yeah, I would I wouldn't completely write that off yet. Um, I'm not. I'm not. I'm yeah, just, I, just for I, season one. Yeah, because that. Yeah, I'm like, I was ready for that to come back. Yeah, because that nature versus like technology theme comes mm-hmm. up a lot in Star Wars. So, I. I wouldn't completely count it out yet. But yeah, it, it did kind of seem like the smoking gun. Like mm-hmm. they're down there. <laughs> Are you gonna exactly. use them or not? Nah? <laughs> totally. So my low for the season was the aces. They I was really ready to get to know all of the aces pretty hardcore. 
and uh, that didn't really happen at all. <laughs> um, I'm still not even 100% sure on half of their names, <laughs> um, <laughs> which would have been fine, except I feel like the marketing really hyped the aces. Um, and like they all got their own like character design featurette with like the voice actors and like here's how we designed hype and da 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 and um, hype obviously had a little bit more screen time than the others but they just all got shout outs but then they like they had more time in featurettes than they actually had in the season <laughs> it's like they're they're the Boba Fett slash Phasma oh, of God. resistance can we stop with the Boba Fetts and Phasmas <laughs> please <laughs> no it's like it's basically a Star Wars tradition at this point or give me or give me an interesting character like Laura Santeca that I can like really dig my teeth into. You know what I mean? I just need a couple of lines that like really dig straight into the force mythology just, just to get Caitlin in- <laughs> invested. <laughs> if you're going to die immediately, at least give me some some folklore I can hold on to, okay? <laughs> Otherwise, you're worthless to me. <laughs> um, but that was a low. And then uh, for me, we're going to talk about this later on in, in this episode too, but kind of how I feel like they really dropped Kaz's relationship with his father and this whole kind of complex father-son relationship they really seemed to set up in season – in the first episode – um, that really did not materialize at all throughout the season. Um, mm-hmm. And it was super interesting. Like rewatch, Charlotte and I were talking about it before we started recording. Rewatching the first episode, they really lay in on heavy that Kaz and his father kind of have a um, an intense relationship, but then they never brought it up again, really. Mm-hmm. So that was a little frustrating. And, and hopefully in season two, now that Hosni and Prime is no more, <laughs> um, that could – Maybe change. Agreed. I'm I'm with you on both of those. Mm-hmm. I think the aces, like, I never really cared, so I'm kind of glad that they're not a huge deal. I but... usually have such a good radar for these things. Like, I never thought to care about Boba Fett. As soon as I saw Phasma, I was like, no. No. <laughs> like, I'm not investing any time in that character. Like, she's I, – I wish we had – did we have the podcast then? Yeah, before. We had a video. We had a video. Where, where we, we were was... unboxing a Funko Pop set. Yes. And, and we, we unboxed Phasma. it and I was like, I'm so excited about Phasma. <laughs> and you were like, I am not excited about Phasma. <laughs> I was like, she's going to be a Boba Fett. I think it's literally what I said. I said, she's mm-hmm. going to be a Boba Fett. Mark my words. And I was like, no, okay. <laughs> so usually I have a pretty good eye for those things, but I just – Darn aces. The thing is, it's like as for I love like main characters are all like I'm never going to stand like a side character over a main character. Like I'm I'm always very much invested in the main characters of stories. So I'm kind of glad that the aces didn't end up taking away time from Kaz. Agreed. So but it just frustrates me that like I said, they had more time in featurettes than they had in the season. <laughs> I'm like, why? (laughs) So. Okay. Well, let's talk about the story. Yes. So welcome to part two where we talk about the story. And usually I think we open with our what's to say to the resistance, what's to say to the first order, what's to say to the Colossus. But I think we already addressed that in past episodes. So why don't we start with like the big question of what's the overarching theme that season one presents us with? I think the overarching theme that is continuing, I don't think it's been settled yet. And I think you said this a couple episodes ago, 
the theme that kind of sits on top of the sequel trilogy <laughs> mm-hmm. um, is this sense of belonging or a theme of belonging, finding your belonging. And mm-hmm. I think that that is a really big part of the first season of Resistance. I think it's something that hasn't been uh, finished necessarily or hasn't been like tied up at the end of the season. It's not something that I think is contained within season one. Um, but I think that that is a big part of it about Kaz figuring out you know, what he's doing on the Colossus about Yeager figuring out that his belonging isn't just, you know, an ex-rebellion pilot. Even with Tora and then with Tam, like, Tam thought she had belonging and then to her it seemed like a lie. And so she sought a new place of belonging. I don't know. I I think that theme is really prevalent for all of our characters and, and even with Sonara too, mm-hmm. um, like where she belongs. Um, it's something that hasn't been defined for any of them yet, I don't think, completely. Um, but will be in the upcoming seasons. Yeah, and even just you didn't mention Niku, but yeah. in the first episode, Niku says, "You and I, Kaz, Kaz, you and I, we have a common goal. You want to be an ace pilot, and I really want to get to the top of the Colossus." The yeah, and um, I think that he is getting there, and I think that like that sense of belonging, even just working together, is something that Niku needed mm-hmm. because I imagine Niku didn't really have that many friends, and I just think that that's like. That's something that Niku needed to realize that he wanted. And I think that like even just him steering the Colossus and having that ability to do that is also him finding a different sense of belonging. And I think that that's probably the number one theme of Resistance. And I think it's really cool that it's the number one theme because it is the number one theme of the sequel trilogy as well. And if this is the same era, I think that you could also say that like belonging obviously comes up in the original trilogy as well, like <laughs> Luke is obviously on a constant search for belonging. And I think he finds it in the rebellion and with his sister and with his friends, but obviously that's a it's a tough journey. But um I think that the sequel trilogy more than anything is really about belonging mm-hmm. and uh just having the hope that someday you will find and never be alone and i think that that's exactly what the resistance is like setting up in a different sort of way than the personal way that the sequel trilogy is Mm -hmm. yeah i i think that i think um christopher sean said that he thinks resistance is about hope and like of course it is what star wars piece isn't about hope um but i do think that it's mostly about belonging i think it's great because the theme of hope is I mean, that is the theme of Star Wars. So, of course, it's a theme in Resistance. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so is the family and, and belonging, I think, too, at this point, especially in the Disney era. But what I love about Resistance is that the characters are always, save for a few, the characters are always, like, unabashedly positive about their situations. Mm-hmm. Um, there's – they haven't – like, it's kind of what you were saying earlier about how, like, I really love Luke because he's such a good character, like mm-hmm. a good person. <laughs> At least, like, the piece of his life that we see in the original trilogy. Of course, that changes later on that we're still getting information on. But, like, Kaz is the same way. Like, Kaz is un- unceasingly optimistic. And, and like, so is Tora and so is Niku and Jaeger and Tam represent kind of a different side of that. But I think for, like, Kaz, that's such his strength is that even when the chips are down, he's like, no, this is fine. Like, we're, like, we're all still alive. It's like, that's good, right? Okay. 
Yeah. He's like, let's let's plan the next thing. Um, and I think that that's so, that's so great because that really does – I mean, it ties in perfectly to what Chris Rashawn said about there always being hope. And then to have people like Kaz who are coming into leadership positions, that's really imperative for them to have that, to be able to pass that along to other people. And if we see that that hope and that positivity get passed on to Yeager, I think in particular throughout the season Mm -hmm. to the point where at the end of the season, Yeager is like, no, like Kaz has got this. Kaz is going to come for me. We're okay. Like we're in good Mm -hmm. hands. I just – I love it. Me too. Me too. I think that I was trying to think about this in relation to the Clone Wars and Rebels because I think that those are clear comparison points um, in terms of like the animation department at – at Star Wars. Mm-hmm. If Clone Wars is about, you know, the all the different sides of war from the horrors to the friendships to um, rebuilding communities and Rebels is about the, the found family and um, I think Rebels is generally about found family. I think that's <laughs> the number one. Yeah. I think Resistance is honestly somewhere in between that and I don't think we've seen like the war side exactly yet just because the first it were still in the cold war of the first order and the and in the new republic and of course now we're we're really not because <laughs> the way that the season ended mm-hmm. but i think that like we will eventually get to the the rough parts that the clone wars really kind of showed us about i think that i'm i'm just even surprised with like the the grueling details of like the First Order destroying Ayla and Kel's uh, planet and then just witnessing the destruction of the uh, the Hazian Prime. Um, I think that like that will only escalate because they're going to have to deal with those uh, repercussions in season two. And because of that, I don't think we've gotten that like Clone Wars part just yet. But mm-hmm. I think that I think that we are it, found family. It definitely is a a huge part of resistance. I think that that like can't not go unsaid. Yeah, it's yeah, I think you're right that it's something that one I don't think we can say definitively yet because we've only just finished season 1. Yeah. Um but I think you're right. Like I think it does live somewhere in the middle between mm-hmm. clone, like that theme of cloners and rebels because like I think the the rebels crew was so focused or the rebels show was so focused on that found family. Um, mm-hmm. component and like them all supporting each other and like being there for each other emotionally and like that was such the centerpiece of that show um, whereas with Clone Wars I do think that centerpiece was the war itself and then I think mm-hmm. Resistance like lives somewhere in the middle there because I don't think Resistance not that it won't but it hasn't yet had that kind of deep relationship building that Rebels kind of kind of did out of the gate I think um, yeah. and you're right because we are in kind of the cold war stages and, and our, our, the Colossus was very removed from the center of the galaxy. We weren't really seeing all the sides of war that I think we will see going into the future. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see where it does end up. Yeah. I think that like Clone Wars is in a really neat, unique spot because of the way that it was structured in the arcs and everything. Like we would bounce around between, mm-hmm. you know, this Ahsoka and Anakin episode, this only Ahsoka episode, one with Obi-Wan and one with just the clones and everything. We have not seen that in um, Resistance. And honestly, we barely saw that in Rebels too. 
And I think that as the war escalates and they're going to fill in that time gap, I guess, between uh, if there is a time gap between um, episode eight and nine, then I think that they're going to have to take us around and kind of (laughs) give us a little bit more background about like what's going on in the war. And I think that maybe that's where we'll see um, certain storytelling elements like the Clone Wars come into play. But I still don't really know. I think that like it's really interesting because I think that if you compare like the character structures of resistance and rebels, you know, in rebels, we had like an actual relationship between, um, between Kanan and Hera. Mm-hmm. And like, that's obviously a romantic relationship. We've had, we have like essentially no hard romantic relationships in uh, resistance just yet. I think that we've had like some flirtatious stuff with like Sonara and Kaz and everything, but I think that like the family relationship that maybe we can link to is the relationship between Tora and Captain Doza. Mm-hmm. Um, and like that in itself is a really interesting relationship because we don't really know a hundred percent Doza's deal and we are kind of fully trusting of Tora. So like, will that relationship break down? What does that even look like? Because here they are now on the Colossus together and they, now they know stuff that like they didn't know before. <laughs> they know so, stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I think that like the found family just looks a little different because there's not that there's not that romantic element. They are all at this point like on the same page a lot of about a lot of stuff too. Like I don't think a lot of the rebels family was on the same page about some things right in the beginning. I don't know. I don't know if that no, even makes but, sense. I mean, yeah, because like Kanan and Hera, like Hera was always much more ready to join the rebellion than than Kanan ever was. Yeah. Um, so that was a source of tension between them. But where Rebels kind of had, I guess, more of a benefit for that was the fact that they were all on the ghost, what we said earlier, that they mm-hmm. were in this like really tight space. Um, so you mm-hmm. had to work out your problems with each other. <laughs> um, whereas the Colossus is different because I remember we talked about at the beginning of this season about yet Ye- like Jaeger and Kaz coming to have a comparable relationship to Kanan and um, Ezra. And they didn't really go that route at all, um, which I think it's fine. Like, it's nice to see it kind of change. But that was a complete flip on what our expectations, I think, were. Because I mm-hmm. think we were expecting it to be – to become a Rebels-type found family. Um, but it really hasn't at all. I mean, like, Tam is gone. Um Tora is, yes, connected with them, but not really. Like, she's more connected to her father. Um, Tora has, like, no relationship with Yeager. Um, so it's like they're more of a web. Like, resistance mm-hmm. is more of a web of relationships. And then Rebels yes. is more of, like, a – I guess, like, a cluster. Um, but not again – a cluster. Like, they're just really tight. <laughs> yeah. They're like a like a tangle, like a knot. Like a knot. A knot. <laughs> a knot. A knot. <laughs> um, whereas Resistance is more of the web. And then like Clone Wars is completely different because you really just had – it was like Anakin, Obi-Wan, and Ahsoka, and Padme. And it was them going off in various formations of that group to have adventures. Um, so, But I think it will be really interesting to see if that web in Resistance kind of does condense itself into a knot by the time the series is over. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think Rebels really did kind of start out that way because Ezra was the only new person into the knot. And they mm-hmm. just kind of like engulfed him. Right. In a good way. <laughs> mm-hmm. So maybe like this comparison just isn't even 
right. <laughs> I, mean, I, think <laughs> we, I, think, I think it's good to talk about it because yeah, it is – I mean, it's our other animated shows. Of course, we're going to compare them. But it's nice to see that – like it's good that Yeager and Kaz didn't have a similar relationship as Kanan and Ezra have because we've already seen Kanan and Ezra have that relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's nice. I like seeing it. I like seeing it be different and having the opportunity to talk about why they are different specifically I think is really beneficial. I don't even think that Yeager is essentially the same kind of mentor that uh, Kanan was for Ezra. Yeah, like, no, not at all. Like I don't even think you can really – I think that they – there's there's some things like perhaps Yeager's reluctance to go back into the fight is potentially the same as Kanan's like in a weird way. Yeah. But I don't think that like their their you know master apprentice relationship is really there because it's just not like they're they're not Jedi. No, it's not. I think we thought it might become something like that though, because Yeager knew Poe was a mechanic, like was basically Kaz's only point person who knew who he really was. Mm-hmm. And then that didn't really end up happening at all. Cause now I see them more like I feel like Yeager views Kaz more of an equal now mm-hmm. um, from the last episodes of just how much trust he put in Kaz at the end. Whereas right. Kanan and Ezra were kind of always within that master Padawan relationship. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's, in- that's interesting. Yeah, it totally is. So where <laughs> where do we think season two is going to go? Where does our pot of spaghetti? <laughs> yeah, where is the Colossus going to go? What's happening? Well, that's the question, isn't it? Where is the Colossus going? No one knows. (laughs) I think the Colossus is going to go to the Unknown Regents. We're just going to have to, like, staple the last Jedi novelization. Jedi novelization, essentially. (laughs) I feel like the fact that, like, (laughs) Niku has no idea where they're going. Like, if they show up at a familiar system, it won't be that satisfying to me. Like, I think that that them being, like in a strange place that they don't really know, like it's off the map or something like that would be really interesting because then it would take them out of the last Jedi, like that whole thing. They wouldn't be able to get the, the communique from um, Leia and on crate and everything like that. And I think that like they could encounter who knows what they could encounter out there. I think it'd be fun for them to end up somewhere like on Coruscant. And to just like dive head would be cool too into whatever the political situation is going on there. Um, especially if Kaz like Kaz is now the surviving son of a senator of the New Republic, mm-hmm. assuming that Kaz's father died on Hosnian Prime. I mean, who knows if the hill Do we think his father died? I don't on know. Hosnian I don't Prime? know. I think maybe he did. I think so maybe here's the did. thing. If we're going to compare Rebels to Resistance, we have already seen our hero grapple with thinking that his parents could be alive and then realizing that his parents actually died a long time ago. And I feel like that is like something that we've already dealt with. Like it was a huge learning moment for Ezra, whatever. (laughs) But (laughs) I I think for Kaz, it might be good to have his father still be alive because we know that there's like some lingering tension between them and it's obviously something that we want to see continued yeah you know yeah i guess it would be good if his father was still alive and then maybe was trying to recruit kaz into whatever was being left 
yeah i think that like the first order destroying hosnian prime is already a catapult for kaz to be more invested in the resistance which he obviously was but i think that him having this personal connection makes things real for him like that line from um rogue one suddenly the rebellion is real to you yes exactly and he needed that moment and i think that like (laughs) it was like play pretend kind of on the colossus until it wasn't and i think that that's almost good enough in the fact that if his parents were alive i really do think that it would be more established conflict if he's if they're not alive i think that like it, it would be good conflict anyway but i think that if they survived i think it actually might be good yeah i think yeah i think talking through it, it would be good if kaz's father was still alive because in the first episode kaz's father says you know oh you're with the those extremists the resistance mm-hmm. so he doesn't like the resistance and so my guess is if he is still alive he probably still has a negative view of the resistance and wouldn't want Cass to be a part of it. Or now he doesn't have a negative view of the resistance because he watched it destroy his home. He watched the First Order destroy his home. Yeah. I think the conflict is more interesting if Cass's father is still not interested in the resistance. But I could yeah. be wrong. But him, like, even coming into the fold about, like, understanding the fight, I think would be valuable because I think in a way Kaz's father could be a lens to how we look at, like, the general citizen of the galaxy who doesn't understand this, like, Cold War that's happening between, like, this unsanctioned army from the New Republic and, like, this huge new threat of the First Order. Yeah, I don't know if Kaz's father would be a good example of that because he is a super wealthy senator um, who obviously yeah, that's has the, knowledge. That's not really what I mean. Like, I don't mean he's like the every person, but I do think that would it would be a good understanding for someone like, who's outside of those organizations. Yeah, or like maybe just like even too in, invested in politics to even understand like the real world of like what's happening. Yeah. Ugh. Hashtag where's Ezra? Hashtag where's Kaz's father? <laughs> I don't know. I, uh, like, where's Kaz's mother, too? Right? Because, like, I-, I want that as well. <laughs> does Kaz have siblings? Does he have any pets? Like, Oh, my God. Does Kaz have siblings? You, wow. Imagine, I bet he's an only child. Can you imagine Sorry. Kaz with a little sister? He has big only child energy. <laughs> you would know. <laughs> I would know. <laughs> I feel like if Kaz does have a sibling, it's a sister, though. That would be great. I love that. I I love whenever, like, Rebels did that with Sabine's family. I love when they introduce, like, a random sibling that we didn't even know existed. And it kind of tells, tells, like, so much more about, like, their childhood and how they view the world. (laughs) Love it. It does. Kaz definitely has a sister, though, if he's not an only child. (laughs) So in terms of the spaghetti metaphor, (laughs) I think that, like, the spaghetti metaphor is, like, done, right? Because we've served the pasta. No, 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 no. The we just serve the pasta like when we were eating spaghetti because like who just wants to stop at the boiling water like, in the mm-hmm. real world, but the the pasta metaphor extends for the whole sequel trilogy. Like eating the pasta is episode nine. Mm-hmm. So I don't know where we are exactly, <laughs> but like season one of Resistance was boiling the water. And then The Force Awakens was putting the pasta into the water. Okay. And so right now we're pasta in water stirring every couple minutes. Okay. Got it. That's where we are right now. So it depends on how much time – because Last Jedi is draining the pasta. 
Uh-huh. Oh, so maybe we've drained the pasta. I think we've drained the pasta. We've drained the pasta. <laughs> and now we're saucing. We're, sa- <laughs> we're figuring out what's going on top. Are we doing a pesto? Are we doing an Alfredo? Uh, like a nice meat sauce? What are we doing? <laughs> you know, a good marinara. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hungry. All day simmering. <laughs> <laughs> homemade meatballs okay, now i'm hungry <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah um oh freshly grated parmesan obviously a little bit of basil <laughs> yeah that's that's episode nine that yeah that's episode nine <laughs> but like it takes a long you know, time that's why there could be a potential time leap between last shot and, and episode nine Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's where we are. We're at the saucing stage right now, I think. Depending on – I don't think we'll get any time and resistance that's that's definitively tied to the last Jedi days, um, which is the draining the pasta stage. So we're at saucing. I think there's two things that actually we'll probably get that are directly lined to the last Jedi. One, maybe a, some sort of message that like they've evacuated Dakar. Two – and yeah. like there's no place for them to go to uh not getting leia signal or like trying to you know return leia signal and like not being able to because like wherever the heck the colossus is doesn't mm-hmm. that doesn't reach there yeah so we're somewhere in between draining the pasta and saucing the pasta yeah hmm. sounds about right <laughs> <laughs> right do we think that the colossus has potential to show up in episode 9 I hope so, man. I think that if, like, the Resistance comes back swinging with, like, a bunch of new ships, and which I feel like they're going to because they're going to win this war, like, it's Star Wars. Spoiler. <laughs> I think that, like, <laughs> it would be so cool. Just like we saw the ghost in Rogue One, but it would be so cool to see the Colossus, like, somewhere, you know, around. Yeah, yeah. I would definitely be okay with seeing the Colossus anywhere on the big screen i would freak out so <laughs> it would be so cool let's go let's get it i'll come on i'll come on to our show and be like i don't know what happened with kylo and ray but the colossus was on screen <laughs> <laughs> so that's all i cared about no, that's oh my it. god can, can you, you imagine, imagine that? <laughs> <laughs> it'll definitely be in my top five moments of the movie though I don't know. Like, mark your words. Let's talk in December because <laughs> I don't know about that. What if – okay, but, like, what if they, like, went on the Colossus? That would be cool. That would be bananas. <laughs> that would be bananas. We'd have to, like – if that happens, we would have to commit to, like, bringing pasta into our next viewing of episode nine. <laughs> I mean, that wouldn't be the worst thing that we could possibly do. No. Or we'll go to, like, one of those dine-in movie theaters and order pasta. Ew. I hate dining movie theaters. Not my yeah, fave. I mean, they're not great, but yeah. whatever. We, what we just have to have pasta. All right, all right. We'll, so. we'll bring like a pasta salad. <laughs> a pasta salad. Yeah, you know. All right, we got to stop talking about pasta. Let's move on to talking about characters. Part three. <laughs> Listen, big deal. You got another problem. Women always figure out the truth. Always. Okay, welcome to part three where we're not talking about pasta, but we are talking about characters. So mm-hmm. let's talk about my fave some more. Let's talk about Kaz. So based on episode one to the finale, where exactly has Kaz gone? 
So it's crazy because Caitlin and I were rewatching the first episode, which is 40 minutes, which I just want to amend. My low for the past like two episodes has been it should have been an hour. Like the episode should have been an hour. And I realized that they used their hour hour card essentially for the first episode. <laughs> so I, I just want to apologize to the creators of Resistance for me kind of dragging that because they used that for the first time. I don't know why I didn't. Whatever. It's fine. Um, anyway, I think where has Kaz gone? There's no better description for me to understand how far Kaz has come than in the very first scene of Resistance, Kaz is being chased by Major Von Reg, and he can't shake him. The whole team can't shake him and pose like, I'll do it for you. And he, you know, blunders his ship and his ship is on fire and everything. And it's a mess, basically. <laughs> and by the end of the first season, Kaz was able to fight back against Major Von Reg, and I may have some issues with the fact that he killed Major Von Reg, but he did kill Von Reg and was able to kind of move on from that and kind of show his growth through this moment. And I think that that was like super powerful mm -hmm. if you just watch these two back to back. Well, what's crazy is that in that first episode when Kaz and his friends are trying to deliver that information to the resistance, Kaz is the leader in that group because mm -hmm. he says that one, they're all freaking out and he tells the other two, he says, all right, you guys go back. I'll stay here. And he goes, that's an order. And I'm like, oh, I, I had forgotten that. And I was like, wait a second. Kaz was a leader <laughs> in the New Republic Navy? Okay. Yeah. He's <laughs> a big wig. Yeah, I guess so. But I guess that was because of like his father kind of put him there is mm -hmm. kind of what I'm thinking more now. And so to see him still have that that lack of hesitation in episode one, but it's so much more refined by the end of the season and he's right a lot more of the time is just really satisfying. Um, mm -hmm. But that Kaz like really hasn't – like Kaz hasn't really changed as a person. Um, he's grown, but that idealism that I think he had at the beginning of the season is still there. It's just a little right. bit more experienced now. Um, mm -hmm. But he's still the same Kaz. Yeah. I love him. Let's talk about his relationship with his father, which we've obviously touched on already a couple times in this episode. But I think it's really interesting when he tries to – when Poe, you know, recruits him into the resistance and says, I think I have an eye for these things. And uh, Kaz is like, what? Okay. Um, <laughs> and um, he's like, oh, let me – I just have to call my dad. So he scrambles the code and we can't see the father at all. And – and the the call just doesn't go that well. Um, he says, like you mentioned, he says those extremists, and he basically like hangs up on his dad. And he walks out, and he's like, "I'm in." And the way that Kaz says, you know, my father is a senator, and he has sort of this whole plan for me. I think is really interesting because here, Kaz is deciding to go against that plan because someone else believes in him, and I think it's this like real state of rebellion for Kaz, even though I don't really think that's like extremely explored in the season. But if you just look back on how he, this character started and where he's gone, I think that he is almost dealing with his, by, by watching the destruction of Hosnian Prime, I think he's dealing with the repercussions of his rebellion, of like going into the resistance basically against his father's orders and against his father's plan, even though that's what he wanted. And it's his own personal choice, which again is a huge Star Wars theme. Mm -hmm. So 
I don't I don't really know what to make of that, but I do think it's like it's one of the most interesting conflicts that has ever been in Star Wars, in my opinion. Yeah, and but it just kind of falls out after the first episode. Yeah. Because um, they yeah. really do kind of lay it on thick in the first episode. Mm-hmm. I mean, his father goes through this whole list of things that he's had to help Kaz with. And Kaz just kind of stands there and is frustrated and, like you said, just hangs up on his father. And then it's like, all right, time to go. And I was also listening back to our first review of the first episode of Resistance. And the whole time we're like, well, this father thing, it's definitely going to come up again. <laughs> <laughs> we're well, like, it's the most interesting thing. I know, it really, we were like, it's so interesting. <laughs> we we're like, is his father going to end up being the first order spy? Is his dad going to like come to the Colossus and not know that Kaz is there? Or maybe he's going to be with the first order? Like, we had all of these crazy head cannons ready to go. Mm-hmm. And nada. <laughs> <laughs> nada. Nada. The big old goose egg. Um, <laughs> And I think because this was one of my critiques at the end of the season two was how Hosni and Prime was handled in the initial explosion, I think in part one of the season finale, um, Mm -hmm. is that the emotion didn't hit, I think, as hard as I wanted it to um, because something like this had been dropped. Um, And I mean, uh, oh God, I'm going to say her name wrong. Um, Captain. Tierney? Tierney. My my head was like, Tyrion, Tyrion. (laughs) That's not it. Stop, head. That's not correct. (laughs) When she's telling Tam about Kaz, she's like, yeah, he's super wealthy, like came from a really good family, a senator. Like she's even bringing up all these really interesting points. And Tam's like, good God, that's interesting. And I'm here like, yeah, it is. Why haven't I got more of this throughout the whole season? (laughs) So maybe that line though, you know, my father is a senator and and he has this whole plan for me. Maybe maybe his father is alive now and will be coming back because it's like, oh, now's the chance for me to insert my own family now that there's no rebellion or no resistance and our – God, no New Republic. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe kind of try to manipulate Kaz into some kind of leadership position there. But I don't know. Watch. We're spending all this time talking about the father and he's like never going to come up again. <laughs> I really want him to though. I do too. I think it's so interesting like having a super wealthy kid. That's like – the The only character I can think of that kind of has that background is Lux. Yeah. Um, oh, man. We get so much Lux hate, I feel like, every time we bring him up. <laughs> no, we don't. Lux is such a good character. Heroes on Both Sides is a pinnacle of Clone Wars. <laughs> like, <laughs> you can at me all you want, listeners. I will stand well, by Lux Pontary. Like, <laughs> you know, I don't think Kaz is, like, the typical rich kid. And I think that's a really bold move. Like, this, this show doesn't fall into any of those tropes, like – that are just so frustrating. I think Kaz was that typical rich kid, literally until the first yeah. episode of Resistance. And that's when everything yeah. changed. Because, I mean, I keep praising his optimism and stuff like that. But part of his optimism is the fact that he's never really had any challenges um, because yeah. his father has been handing him everything along the way. Right. Uh-huh. So I think I think Kaz is that typical rich kid. And, like, this whole thing on Colossus, on the Colossus, is what Lux's adventures on Onderon were in season four with Ahsoka and, and Saw and Steel, Stila. It's, like, that moment, I think. It's, I, I think they're comparable anyway. But I don't know. Yeah, like, Lux is the only character that we've seen kind of from a similar background that we spent any time with. And Kaz is much more of a main character than, than Lux was. So I just – there's so much rich – there that I really hope gets explored. That's why I think it would be kind of fun if they went to 
like an, an a planet from the inner core. Me too. I, I think. I mean, I I don't I don't know. I I kind of stand by my own theory. I mean, that's I think fine. that <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm so intrigued to see where we go in season two. So, what? Who are your top three favorite characters? Kaz, um, mm-hmm. Tora, and Poe. Actually, I really liked Poe in Resistance. I thought he. I'm really shocked that Poe is in your top three. I know. I was too. I thought long and hard about it. Let me tell you, Kaz and Tora were easy picks, but I think that Oscar Isaac did such a great job in it, and I really liked. I don't know. I thought it was really interesting getting Poe's opinion on things throughout the season and like the things that he would teach Kaz. Like I'm kind of always thinking back to that moment when he's telling Kaz how to shoot a blaster and he's like, it doesn't matter if you don't know how. Like you got to learn because they're going to shoot back at you. Mm -hmm. I always think that was such a really interesting lesson. And I I don't know. I think that Poe did a good job in this season. I think they used him well throughout – I don't know. I really enjoyed him. And and Tora, I just – oh, God. I love Tora. I love her voice. Like, her voice actress just, like, makes me happy. I love how smart she is. Um, I love how she, like, more or less figured out what was going on with Kaz. And, like, I kind of ship them. So. Yeah. Same. <laughs> I just think Tora is so good because she's so smart. And I think even just her intro with, like – I mean, the, her introduction was – you know, Kaz choosing to race her because he was like, oh, she's just a, you know, a young girl, the newest person. She's a newbie. Mm-hmm. And everyone was like, ha, 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 I can't believe you chose her. <laughs> and it was so funny because it was like, I don't know, Star Wars has this like great tradition going now where every every person like underestimates the girl and then the girl like comes out swinging. And I think that uh, Tora is just so good because she was totally on it about uh, Kaz being like involved in the resistance and you know in a, in a large part and she knew all these things and she's just so nice and all these friends and I don't know she's just great she's, she's, just, she's really a joy her to watch her room was amazing Buggles was so weird and creepy but also really lovable and I love I love their episode, Kaz and Tora's episode, I think kind of mid-season, where they end up in the in the laser trash compactor. It's like a step above just a regular trash compactor. That was so good. It was really good. Um it was it was fun too. And and like that was that was I think a good that was like Easter eggy, but that was like a good use of an Easter egg. Mm-hmm. So my favorite three characters were our Kaz, like we mentioned. Tam like I also mentioned, and and Yeager, because I love everything about Yeager. And I think that his character is only going to get more interesting. I think he has like this really cool backstory, like what's the deal with his family? That one photo that we saw in that one episode, like what is that? Mm-hmm. That's still a question we don't have answered. And just even after watching the movie, The Right Stuff, and knowing that Chuck Yeager is the inspiration for this character of Yeager, and even just like watching that and like understanding that and knowing that Yeager is going to get like back into the fight and then watching that episode where he races his brother and that like they have to break that record. That's essentially what Chuck Yeager in real life did, which is like burst through the sound barrier. You guys should watch the right stuff if you haven't. It's so good. It's like four hours, but it's amazing. And just that has like given me a lot more like understanding of where they're going to take Yeager as a character, which 
to me, it's like no surprise that he would find himself back into the fight. But also he what is someone who would like a storied history of like in in the rebellion and like what it, what is his life? Like I need to know because <laughs> I'm sure it's really interesting. I also really love the voice actor. I think that he, yes. you know, brings so much to this character. And like we mentioned, I think that Yeager is like a different type of mentor than we're used to. And like maybe he's not even a mentor at all, but he is someone who Kaz can look to for – so he is a mentor, but like <laughs> he is someone that Kaz can look to for like stories of the past, which is a character that we don't necessarily have in Resistance. And obviously something that I'm like really interested in as someone and as fans are, as someone who understands like the history of Star Wars. And like I want to see what Yeager has to say about his time in the Rebellion. Yeah, I think that's one of my favorite things about Yeager. It's like I just want to hear what he has to say. Like I want to sit yeah. with him at Anzi's bar have a couple of drinks and just like hear his story. <laughs> yeah, I think that like it would be super cool if um if Yeager knew Poe's parents. Like I was rewatching the scene where they, you know, saw each other again in the in the first episode and mm-hmm. it's like because Poe's parents were part of the rebellion, they were close with Luke and Leia and Han and Poe like kind of grew up in the rebellion. And I think that like if there was any sort of crossover with that, I think that that would be really interesting because it would, then it would it would also ground this character and his family in another time period. And I don't know. I'm really interested in that. Yeah. Yeager is – yeah, I think it's right not to even call him a mentor anymore, but he's, he's someone that Kaz can count on when the going gets tough, um, mm-hmm. especially now from what we see kind of develop of the relationship at the end of the season. Um yeah, I'm, I hope that it'll be interesting to see him in season two now that he's one more pro Kaz, like trusts Kaz more and is kind of like he's back in it <laughs> for better or for worse. So kind of how that expertise is going to be utilized in season two I think will be will be really interesting to watch because I think it will be because Poe is, is busy. So Poe's not really going to be there as much. Um, at least I don't think he will be. Um, so Yeager will kind of be that point person that's had the experience with the rebellion and the empire. Mm-hmm. So what do you think are the most meaningful relationships that have come out of resistance so far? This is such a tough question because I think I think it's so easy. Really? Because I have like a couple of answers. It clearly it's BB-8 and CB-23. Well, see that's funny that you say that because I was going to say it is it is potentially BB-8 and Kaz. But then I'm like, it's probably not <laughs> because I don't think that BB-8 feels the same way about Kaz. But I think that in a what? way, Kaz, like BB-8 was like Kaz's, you know, lifeline to the resistance. And I think that was like so important for Kaz to have. I don't think that any droid has initially loved Kaz when they first met him. Because yeah. even even in the first episode, I mean, that R2 unit that Kaz is with is like snarky with him. Hit that droid and BB-8 are both snarky with Kaz when they meet Poe for the first time. Um, the droids that Kaz meets in Anzi's bar on his first time there, they don't like <laughs> I don't know what it is because I love Kaz. I think, like, jokes aside, probably the most, like, meaningful relationship is what Kaz was able to accomplish with Sonara. 
I think that like him just even being able to bridge those barriers between basically the Colossus and the pirates, like now the pirate ship is part of the Colossus, which I know is going to cause oh, some conflict going forward. So cool. But like, that's not something that would have ever happened before. And like, just even having the pirates to be able to help them fight back, all of that is because of Kaz's kindness towards Sonara and mm-hmm. like her belief in Sonara. And yeah. like, because of that, they wouldn't have been able to escape the First Order without the pirates' help. And that was something that like we wouldn't have been able to foresee in the very beginning when the pirates were continuously attacking the Colossus. And yeah. truly all of that is because of Sonara and Kaz. Yeah. I think this question will have clear answers moving forward into season two because after kind of talking through the differences between like Clone Wars Rebels and Resistance and kind of describing Resistance more as a web – rather than mm-hmm. a knot. Um, I don't think Resistance has really delved in delved super deeply into these relationships yet. Um, I think they've been formed and they're strong and obviously this group of people is loyal to each other, but like Kaz hasn't talked about his father with anyone yet. Doza and Tora haven't talked about her mother with anyone. Like there are still these like really big things um, and emotional pieces that haven't really been explored yet. And I think that's that's because it's season one um, mm-hmm. and we're still – like this is still the beginning, right? Isn't that crazy? Um, I mean at this point, like Tora and Ka- – I think – I mean I think you're right. Kaz and Sonara did a lot um, as far as like forming a new relationship that has a lot of implications down the line. Um, I think – I wonder if it will come up again with Tora and Kaz watching how they watched Hazi and Prime blow up. Um, because Tora was really there for Kaz in that moment to be like, yes, you can be sad, but we also have to go. Um, mm. So I really loved that moment between the two of them. And that was – for me, that was like the most – one of the most emotionally heavy moments in the show for the whole season. So that kind of stands out for me. Um, and like Tam, like part of her story was about being left out. So she wasn't forming – she wasn't having those kinds of conversations with the other characters because, like, they knew that she was going to be leaving with the First Order at the end of it. So, like, she kind of had to be left out. So I think I think this question will be really interesting to talk about again. I think we'll talk about it at the end of every season, but moving into season two especially. Mm-hmm. I hope there's, like, seven seasons of Resistance. <laughs> I love Resistance. Actually, I say that, but I also really like that. love a that compact I, story. I love a compact story so much. That you so can just much. put on a shelf, like shelf, a book. So I can, like, put it on a shelf and it's, just, like, it's, close it's, the book. And it's, like, a compact <laughs> story that I just put on the shelf. I love that. So, like, maybe four seasons. <laughs> but I do – I do <laughs> – hope that resistance just continues and continues to like and have and isn't like canceled basically is what i hope don't even put that out there on the on the podcast i'm not i'm not i just like wanted to have like it's good ending it's yeah, full ending i do too i think it will um i think me too i would be really surprised if they're like well two seasons we out um it has like such a high rating on rotten tomatoes mm-hmm. at least the the um critic score which is just bodes so well it's like i think at like a 99 because it, it is so good so <laughs> good i mean like the lows and stuff that we've talked about i feel like have been rather nitpicky i mean how many episodes have we been like no lows it's just good <laughs> yeah a lot actually um yeah. and i think a lot of people too that maybe didn't watch resistance at first were kind of one waiting to binge it 
um, mm-hmm. once the season was finished. But now, maybe after a celebration, they'll be like, oh, this looks kind of – this looks good. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I think even, it is. even just by the fact that the Resistance panel isn't on the main celebration stage, like, shows that it is kind of a smaller audience than – kind of maybe that they were expecting but like it's just a smaller audience in general and i think that it will only grow because i remember back at celebration five in the the clone wars panel and that was like season three right keelan like something like that it was on this yeah it was on a smaller stage yeah it was like in the in the in the this the second or third smallest stage and it was fall, but it was still like a small group of people. And I think that like that's how resistance will grow as well as people get more attached. And like you even see Rebels, like Rebels now um, was on the main stage last year or last time. So I think that it will just only grow. Yeah, I think Lucasfilm knows that with the animated shows, like it takes a season or two to like really warm its way into people's hearts. Um, yeah. Just because people like want to binge it, watch it slowly, aren't ready for it or – Whatever the reason is, it just takes people longer to get invested in a TV show than like a movie, I think, sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm really excited. I hope we get to see some more of Kaz. Maybe we'll find out where they're going. I think we will. That I think would be a good reveal. I don't know how they're going to like keep that hidden by showing like new scenes from season two. Well, if they're all just on the so. Colossus. Yeah, you're right about that. But that's not very visually interesting. I don't know. You know? The Colossus is pretty visually interesting. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so ready. I feel like you just insulted the Colossus and you need to take a step back. <laughs> I mean, at one location? Come on. The whole the whole season has been on one location. What do you mean one location? <laughs> the whole okay, season right. has been on the Colossus. You do counter argument. No, it hasn't. (laughs) We've been on the pirate ship. We've been like it's the bulk of season one has been on the Colossus. (laughs) You're being nitpicky. (laughs) I am being nitpicky. I'm just I'm trying to convince myself that we're gonna see more. That's what's happening right now. Is that I'm just trying to convince myself that we're gonna like see big spoilers. You made a mistake, and we're like, that's not visually interesting. The whole season is more. I insulted the Colossus. How dare I? Literally, though. (laughs) When I get, I love the Colossus too. Okay, doesn't sound like it. I do, Charlotte. The Colossus is not visually interesting. Arity, that's not true. (laughs) (laughs) It's not true. Okay, well. Anyway, is there I think that's going to bring us to the end, right? Yeah, to the end of the line hmm. for season one. And we will be prepared such for a good season. season. Oh, man, it was really good. I Resistance surprised me in such a good way, and it's forever in my Star Wars heart. I'm ready for a Colossus theme park style map that I can purchase and hang up. I'm ready for Kaz, just like in general. No specifics, just just Kaz. Um, and for all that's coming with it. So <laughs> thank yeah. you guys for listening to all of our Resistance recaps. I hope you've had a good time. Also, I don't think we got a chance to say this, but seeing everyone's hashtag Skytalkers spaghetti pictures. Amazing. From the finale. Like, when I tell you how happy it made me, it made me so happy. <laughs> Amazing. Really so great. Thank you guys yeah. for like making the pasta, sending us the pasta. It was so great. I can't believe people like made pasta. 
me too. I mean, because it's, of not the, it's not the hardest thing ever to make. So. Okay, it's not. It's pretty accessible. Like, someone was like, like, I'm going to have pasta because of resistance and because Sky Talkers came up with this like dumb metaphor and like now it's a thing. <laughs> it was amazing. It, it made was me, like the best thing ever. Yeah, it was really – it made me made both of us really happy. So thank you for everyone who did that. Whenever you're watching Resistance and you just feel the urge to have some carbs and want to make some pasta, you can always tag us or hashtag it. Hashtag Sky Talkers Spaghetti. <laughs> so please do that. But that is going to wrap up our season one resistance recap. Thank you guys for coming along for the ride. We'll be back for season two. Um, and if you want to gush about Kaz or um, give me the reasons why you still think Niku is the first order spy, you can find us at the podcast stage on April 12th. Oh my God. <laughs> and we can chat about it then. <laughs> So please come. Um, but until then, you can find us online at Sky Talkers Pod or our personal handles at Caitlin Plusher or at Clarity. We're also ha- we also have a website, SkyTalkers.com. You can visit us there. Um, and if you like what you hear, then head on over to iTunes and leave us a review so other people can find our show too. Yes, and I want to thank our amazing patrons: Jason, Kelly, Kimberly, Amy, Neil, Mary, Larry, James, Sarah, Susanna, Z, Cherie, Angela, Diana, Becca, Lynn, Katie, Courtney, Brian, Amy, Kelly, Jim, Swara, Irina, Vundacast Productions, Christian, Adam, Megan, Courtney, Sintara, Thomas, John, Dominic, Megan, Kate, Matthew, Fernanda, Chell, Manny, David, Claudia, Kate, Brooklyn, Lady Valkyrie, Jenny, Blessed Cheesemaker, Danny, Lump of Aru. Patrick, James, Hamsa, From a Certain Point of View, The Dorky Diva Show, Megan, Stewart, Kyle, Jennifer, Kells, Chastity, Aliyah, Travis, Katie, Daniela, Alyssa, Rebecca, Andy, Delaney, Angela, Ali, Natalia, Daz, Serene, Shireen, Jordan, Molly, Aaron, Scott, Ira, Bell, BJ, Casey, Lauren, Tom, Edith, Connie, Robbie, Kirsty, The Clashing Sabres Podcast, and Chuck. Thank you guys so much for supporting us. Your support truly means the world. Yes, thank you guys so much. And until next time, may the force be with you. May the force be with you. Sky Talkers is a member of the Star Wars Escape Pods Network. Explore more great content and get to know our sister shows at WeAreEscapePods.com and on Twitter at WeAreEscapePods. The Star Wars Escape Pods Network, promoting positivity in fandom.